Welcome back, Coyotes fans, to episode 61 of the Chirpin' Yotes podcast, part of the Inside the Rink network. We got, um, well, the draft's coming up. It's upon us. I uh, got a couple of topics to talk about. Hopefully get you in and out of this one. But, uh, boys, how are we doing? Doing well tonight, Tyler. Uh, excited to get back here. Second episode back since I came back full time. Excited to talk some hockey with you boys. It's always a pleasure. How about you guys? How are you guys doing tonight? Well, second time in a row I get to do a pod with Chase. Uh, first first time I ever did one with Chase was last week, but this week I get to drink. So this is going to be a fun one. Sure is. Grandy, how you doing? Doing pretty good. Just uh, just vibing over here. Um, um, NHL is keeping me plenty entertained. For sure. And Chase, you said full time. So it means you got to give you like oh. a benefits package. Yeah, I'm looking for insurance. Man, uh, we only offer dental here. Yeah, honestly, that's, uh, that's a. That's fine. We have dental. Yeah. When do we get dental? I'll take what I get. We're hockey oh, I was gonna say, I you need a teeth. Uh, you need a teeth pulled. What? I'll come or a tooth pulled. I'll come over. I, what, <laughs> I need to go. Where's that secretary at? Let me find her. What Matt, the heck? Talk to her about I that. am taking you up on that. I am taking you up on that. I need a tooth pulled, man. All right, come play hockey. Just, just keep your face like eighteen inches off the ground and close your eyes. Oh boy. His boot. <laughs> Hey, oh. I, look, whether I fan on the shot or not is irrelevant. He's getting hit in the face. <laughs> uh, One way or another, that fucking it's coming hit. out. Oh boy! I'm sorry, I'm sorry if you lose like the three or five around it too. But <laughs> hey, you said look, they're all pulled. They're no longer an issue. Yeah. Hey, he, he didn't. He didn't specify that you know how it happened okay. or how many are going to happen. But you know, exactly. Can't, beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, exactly. So, what the dental package includes? So, this is when up- we. This is. This, yeah, this is when we announced that our new sponsor is Matt's Dental Services. So, DC Mouthguard. You, uh, do you need a tooth pull? Just, just DM Matt on Twitter. Yep. You do have to sign, sign a waiver, though. You do have to sign a waiver <laughs> if you want it done. We sign waivers. <laughs> Anybody getting a tooth pulled does. Oh, fair enough. Well, okay. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, feel free to hit him up. Uh, though I don't recommend it personally. The the Trippinotes does not recommend his services. However, you're a free person to do whatever you want. So I don't there's even already recommend legal my services. <laughs> legal department <laughs> says thumbs up. Okay, cool. We're good to go. So, uh, just a reminder: we do have our live stream coming up the day of the draft, the 28th. It'll be live. We'll see all of our beautiful faces on the internet. You can comment at us and heckle us, or just be nice, whichever way you want to handle it. So. We do have a couple of people coming in to that live stream as well, getting some takes from fans and uh, other podcasters within the ITR network of other teams. Um, So definitely worthwhile. If you don't like all of us, you might like somebody we have on. Yeah, I mean, we suck, so we got lots Uh, of cool guests. We set the bar pretty high. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. I guess. Well, so I wanted to I bring up Miami on our little chart here because, as you guys know, greatest player of all time is coming to play in the MLS. But I wanted to ask you, what would be the equivalent to that in today's hockey terms? If you had to pick, what, what player would go and what league would it be if you had to kind of equate that? 
And obviously, he's the greatest player of all time, the legendary World Cup winner, of course. But if you had to equate it, who would you pick? You'll have to explain it to me because right now, all I hear is there's something going on in soccer. So Messi, the greatest player so, of all time, not a big deal. He's coming well, over to play so, in the United States. The way I see it is this is the equivalent of Connor McDavid going to join the Atlantic Gladiators in the ECHL. I, yeah, that seems... Yeah, I think that's about right. I, I knew it had to be Connor McDavid I for mean, sure. I thought maybe KHL, I mean, maybe, but that would kind of be... Maybe not. Just just based on did, the... Did you specify it had to be current players? No, it'd just be anybody. I guess you can just do whatever. Just whatever equivalent you think it would be. But I did today just to be easier. But it's a pretty big deal. Uh, he, he He's not going to Saudi Arabia, unlike Ronaldo, the not-goat. He's coming over to play in the U.S., which is a huge boon for the U.S. soccer. I mean, it, it's huge for it already. Another I mean, tickets have switch. already gone up 1,000%. So I, I got to ask, like, what is, what's the pay gap here? Or, like, is he losing money coming to the U.S.? Because I, I, I get that, like, yes, but no. soccer is so, a huge, huge thing everywhere else, and they got money. Yeah. Does the MLS have the money off- for this? So Ronaldo, just just to put it in perspective, Ronaldo was offered one point six billion dollars over three years to go play in Saudi. So he's leaving Messi. money on the table for sure. Oh, Messi, my bad, Messi. Up up front, he is, yeah, but there, but the long term. So what's going to happen is he's shares. going to get, yeah, he's getting the the Apple MLS pass shares. He's getting Adidas jersey sales numbers and he's getting uh the option to buy a stake in the Miami inter Miami football club whenever he's retired. That's like the three kind of things they gave him. I know you guys keep saying and you think it will pay off long term financially. I don't think you're fully grasping the difference in salary. Oh no no there. no 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 I think he may be not really needing any more years. <laughs> no. And this is more him sticking to his guns, which I really respect him sticking with. We're not a soccer that's, podcast. That's, Let's get yeah. back on track. Yeah. Well, well, I imagine if the hockey player aspect. Right, but... So I, I guess, I guess if we're doing this from a hockey player aspect, to me, this is like Austin Matthews in his draft year going to play for the ZSC Lions over in Switzerland and absolutely lighting it up. Hmm. I like I, that. I, I, I to me, that that would be like the the closest thing because honestly. I, maybe I'm thinking of different soccer players, but I thought Messi was like 70 years old. No, he's no. 30, no. what, 38? Yeah. yeah, something like that. That's old, Fresh man, old, for old. an athlete. Old, when you come to less, this is, I mean, it's not like you're playing. Well, how, it, long, it, how long do soccer players play for? Sure. I mean, that, well, is that like... Because that could be like Gretzky going to play a, for the Rangers at like 39. Does that matter? That's who... That's who I was going to go to was Gretzky since they're both considered the goats at what they do. So I was going to put it on to Gretzky going and, you know, either playing the last four years of his career overseas or, you know, for some rink and dink league. But because the, I mean, the MLS compared to everywhere else is trash. I mean, like, you know, the people come here to play at the end of their career, not while they're in their prime. But it's awesome. I'm a, but great for but, great for MLS and great for soccer in general in this country. Yeah, definitely. But to bring this to bring this back to a hockey viewpoint, the NHL is really got a game here because he has a closed 
in on it in popularity and views and all of that. And um, this is just going to help them more with that. We're going to t- yeah. cover a little bit on why that may not be as big a deal, but it, they just got they got to step up their game. Thank you, boys, for uh, you know answering that so, one. So, and then we also had. Oh, go ahead. So, I know this isn't part of like our originally scheduled program here, but um, Granny, when you talk about stepping up their game, I don't know if you follow Alan Walsh on Twitter. Uh, you know, the agent that absolutely hates Gary Bettman, and he went off on this whole tangent about the owners finding a way to add money without sharing it with the players through expansion, um, and potentially two more expansion teams. Um, it's not sounding as much like just a overblown rumor as much anymore. How much realistically with all the rumors about expansion, how much does that help the NHL right now? Since, since it's I a topic that's being eyes, talked about. I think getting eyes on a new market like Houston or Kansas city or even Atlanta back would be huge huge for the NHL because just getting that TV market in, getting that TV revenue in, getting all of that in, which I don't understand why he says it doesn't. And look, he's an agent. He knows the details of this far better than I do, but expansion fees have always been considered part of hockey related revenue. So I don't understand why he's saying that, but it's definitely a big step in the right direction. I do worry that we're, expanding too fast but by expanding just, too I fast do, do you mean like the league is getting watered down like the talent isn't there or it's just too many moving parts right now it depends oh. because i think right now if you added a team in the next year or two it's getting watered down if you add it four years from now, we're seeing the talent pool in the NHL growing every single year. We're seeing more and more and more talented players coming to the draft. Um, Especially from Sunbelt seems... states. Exactly. Um, exactly. So I think in four years, it's a perfect time to start looking at it again. I just think if we do it in the next year or two, that's a little bit too soon. So worth pointing out, one year after Vegas joined the league, the salary cap jumped from seventy-five million to seventy-nine point five million. Um, I think Pretty that was the largest jump in like fifteen years by percentage uh, for the NHL. So worth noting there. But I mean, one thing uh, going back to the hockey-related revenue, real quick, because this is just something that always frustrates me so much is everyone points to Arizona as the reason the cap's not growing, or everyone points to the league not growing at the rate it should as the cap's not growing. And I'm just sitting here like, do we forget that the NHL essentially lost two and a half seasons of revenue during the COVID years? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, why that's we're what escrow's paying. That's what escrow is paying back is because owners were paying players despite the fact that they weren't collecting, you know, revenue on games. They they didn't have fans there. When uh when the season started in 2020, I believe, wasn't Arizona one of like four teams that was allowed to have fans? And even then, Arizona was limited yeah. to like 40% capacity. And we were one yeah. of four yep. teams that was allowed fans. Yep. And um 
even after the United States started allowing fans back into their stadiums, again, Canada wants to act all high and mighty about how they're making so much money. We lost an additional year in Canadian markets at 50% capacity for an additional year afterwards. Um, this is why the cap is where it's at. This is why the cap hasn't grown. It's these reasons. It's nothing to do with Arizona. It's nothing to do with Seattle. It's nothing to do with the fact that two Southern markets are in the NHL finals. It's nothing to do with Canada. Actually, it is something to do with Canadian ticket sales because they weren't selling for almost three seasons. That's why the cap's where it's at. So I guess to tie it back into Tyler's uh, thought about Messi and what you guys talked about with MLS breathing down the NHL's neck. Um, Tyler, what are your thoughts? Expansion, should it happen now? Should it wait? I think with the MLS is also aggressively expanding. I believe in 2025, we have San Diego F coming in, which would be the third first team and I think there's one more coming after that uh, I think honestly as much as I, I would rather expansion than relocation obviously that goes for any team even the Blue Jays but um, I think it's too soon I think the NHL has a lot to kind of figure out and sort out before we do I do feel like it's getting a bit watered down um, but I think if we didn't have COVID, I'd probably say, yeah, let's go ahead and add those two teams. But I think those COVID year losses is what kind of keeps me kind of wary about it, personally. Like, I think the MLB needs to expand as well. I think 30 teams for 25 years is good enough. I think they could probably add two more and not move the A's. But, of course, you know, we know what's happening with that. So, yeah, there's two soon for expansion right now. I think we should stay put, kind of sort whatever we got going on, figure out how we can market this team better or that league better. That's the problem right now. The NHL's biggest, as I've said on several podcasts, is their inability to market. That is what's killing them besides just themes. So if you don't, if you don't mind me asking them, what would you say is your timeline for expansion? I would say maybe the end of the decade at the earliest to give it a couple more years, three, four years. That's, that's personally me. Again, I'm not a math guy. I joined the army for a reason. I don't know numbers. I crunch them, won't lie to you, but just what it looks like from my end, I, I think a couple of years, maybe within the decade, but maybe the start of the next one. So I think it was, what, a year, maybe a year and a half after teams or after uh, potential ownership groups announced expansion that they actually got teams. So realistically, maybe 2027, you want to hear, like, yeah, okay we're, with that. yeah, we're adding these two cities and by the 2028-29 season, seeing games? That makes sense. Yeah, that, yeah. that I could be at the earliest for me personally. The earliest, yeah. I think getting a lot yeah. to sort out. I mean, before you go, Chase, just one last little point here. Adidas saw more value in the MLS than it saw in the NHL. I think that's huge problem. So, go ahead, Chase. It's all yours. Yeah, no, I, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, um, Vegas has been around for a little bit, but we just got Seattle a couple seasons ago. Uh, you know, there there is such a thing as growing too fast, too quick. And um, I do agree with Grandy as far as, you know, more, more eyes on new markets is definitely a good thing. Um, good thing about the expansion, though, like Matt already touched on, is, you know, like you can get, you know, I'll start all these talks and everything right now and make these plans and everything like that. But I, I would agree that probably 
towards the end of the decade is when I'd like to see another team start playing. Um, but I mean, that's probably going to be how it ends up shaking down anyways, because I mean, you got to go through the whole process, uh, you know, make all the financial commitments, find a building to play in. Uh, if one's not readily available, um, I know the markets that are rumored to get teams, uh, you know, th- there are some options there uh, as far as barns go. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like it, it needs to be a little bit like we are just off of, you know, an expansion draft where Seattle took part in. And like I, I think it needs to marinate here for a little bit before, you know, we grow much further. Uh, but that's my personal opinion on that. But I, you know, you three boys make excellent points, and I can see, you know, all of your points is valid. Not to dwell on Tyler's question much longer here, he had, he brought up the point that Messi's going to bring in a ton of money for the MLS because they're going to market around him. Who's the NHL player that you would market around? Not not the equivalent of, you know somebody leaving to go play somewhere else but right now in the nhl if you had to pick a player to start from scratch marketing with who is the face of the nhl yeah first i think Mm -hmm. i think so we might as well move this topic up because and cover it now because we're kind of covering it into it but we were going That's to talk fine. about the yeah. Stanley Cup. We were going to talk about the Stanley Cup viewership, and I think a large part of the reason why the Stanley Cup viewership is as high as it is. Okay, I'm yeah, I'm marketing around Matthew Kachuk 100. percent Okay, that'll work. All right. Yeah, Matthew. Like That's what I was going to say too. Yeah, Matthew Kachuk. I mean, I think someone with personality, like you said, it perfectly was a lot of times we're not just. We're not mark- letting these players market themselves. We're not letting them show their personality. They're showing up in just these basic suits, you know, being, I think, same with MLB has the same problem. Market them. Market these young, explosive talents. Let them be themselves. Let them have their own flavor to it. That's going to grow the game. That's a big part um, of it. Soccer. I mean, you have Zatlin. You have Messi. You have all these people with these personalities that are always allowed to shine and show, and that's what brings people in. The cool highlights. ESPN. That was the NHL, and they have our exclusive deal. I say, hey, ESPN, come on. Show us more of our highlights. Give us a reason. Give us, you know, Stephen A. Smith even saying like, "Oh, I know what the uh, hockey is. The puck is black." I mean, that well, your premier show in the morning doesn't know anything about hockey. I mean, that's a problem in NHL. I mean, I love the ESPN deal. I still do. It needs some work, but I still like it. That's what we need to be fixing. That's the biggest issue I have with the NHL right now. It's not teams. It's that. It's the failure to market. Failure to market. Yeah, and I think um, you know, Maddie Chuck. He he's one of those players that. You know, he's got all the talent in the world. He's a power forward. He plays a gritty game when need to be. Um, you know, there's lots of fans that only, you know, tune in for, you know, the physicality and, and just the sheer speed and violence of these collisions that are happening. So you tap into a whole bunch of different types of fan bases by marketing that particular player. Um, I mean, but personally, I, you know, think that you're going to have to get a group of players to market around like it can't just be one give me zegris he's flashy um he get, he's a great interview he's a jokester you know i've seen him on spit and chicklets and like the uh, sandbagger invitationals they do guy's electric man um just cool you know like i mean that's gonna help you twofold because of just his demeanor personality etc um but you also get you know the younger crowd in man because that's who they're going to relate to. So that kid's still young. 
Um, so, you know, like, I mean, you're going to have to get a group of players, but I love the, the idea of marketing Maddie for truck. Cause I mean, that touches so many different aspects. So hey, I was going to add two names there. Um, I, and, and I a hundred percent agree with chase. Like you can't just go with one guy and expect him to be the face of, of the league. You have to have more than that. Um, anybody that follows Brad Marchand on Twitter. Oh yeah, man, mm-hmm. that, the mm-hmm. I don't want to call it yeah. all controversy, but he has no problem speaking his mind. No. I think that's that's a big deal when it comes to sports because you don't get a lot of that in other leagues. You get the PC press conference, mm-hmm. you know, the standard answers, and he brings a lot more to that. He's not afraid to say what some people are thinking or a lot of people are thinking that athletes aren't supposed to say. Um, he, he kind of just like his role on the ice, he gives you a villain off the ice, somebody that's just not afraid to be themselves and say what they're thinking. Um, the other guy is Brett Burns. That dude's got so much personality. Um, like the, him and Chris Tanev both. And and I know Chris Mm -hmm. Tanev's not nearly as big of a name, but he would be a great guy to market. On the West Coast, with Seattle being a new team, um, hey Matt, but you can I jump in real quick? On yeah, the go, ahead. Burns go ahead. Real quick, okay, cool. I didn't want to cut you off if you were getting into something you know that was well thought out, but uh, I don't know if you remember. San Jose did a great job of trying to market Brent Burns and Jumbo Joe and Pavelski. They, and you know what? Like didn't that. didn't that, they have like that, that ESPN fitness? Yeah, they had mm-hmm. like an ESPN fitness magazine or whatever. And both Burns and Joe Thornton were on the cover of that, weren't they? Yeah. Yes, they were. Yeah, and then they did that uh, the beard commercial for the San Jose Sharks trying to drive up season ticket holders. Man, that video is yep. one of my favorite videos that I've ever seen in my life. This is Sports Center so, too. They had Ovechkin on that, like a Russian yeah. spy or whatever. But that was you fun. know what? Like some time. of some of the Ovechkin commercials are hilarious. Like the one where mm-hmm. him and Backstrom are sitting on the couch eating cereal, and <laughs> Ovechkin's like, "Well." If I get hurt, who's Backstrom going to pass the puck to? Like, I laughed my ass off at that. That's good stuff. Yeah, um, injected into our veins, but sorry, I just but, wanted to jump in. Oh, no, no, that's great. That was awesome. that, it, it's actually a great point because the NHL has also dropped the ball on some of it. Like, the David Pasternak and um, is it – it's not Lindsey Fry, was it? Um, that did the Duncan commercials? Think it uh, was th- Lindsey Fry. I it think. might be. I mean, it's just it's that unmemorable. Like Pasternak, yeah. you know, maybe not a, a a great a great one for it. The Stamkos Headman commercial where they're talking about you know college and and whatnot, and Stamkos is you know he he says something about like oh he's not a hockey player yet, and he's like he's only six months old, and he's like oh well maybe you should start saving for college and whatever. Yeah, I mean it it's it's kind of funny, but neither Stamkos nor Hedman have a ton of personality in that. And so I think I that's where the NHL quick. Yeah, go ahead. For the love of God, can we please stop trying to promote Connor McDavid in these things too? Because uh, oh, yeah, I love watching him play, but he's got the personality of a stiff board, man. <laughs> you know, they, 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 they do a lot commercial is good. 
they didn't do a lot with Sidney Crosby either. And it's not that Crosby doesn't have personality, but he's he's very professional, very soft spoken. Um, yeah. you know, he he leads by example, that sort of thing. And he's he's great in a locker room, but he's not great for you know, being in a commercial, drawing people to the game. As as for as as much as I hate PK Subban's game, like the diving and the oh, yeah. you know, animated temperament and things like that. PK Subban was actually great for drawing fans into the game because yeah. he gave them something that the rest of the NHL wasn't giving him. And I think that's what the NHL is missing. Exactly. Yes, they're missing. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely they're right. missing those huge personalities and there's tons of players and they, they don't have to be the Connor McDavid's and Leon Dreisaitl and, you know, Nikita Kucherov no. who are, you know, going to finish in the top five in points, they don't have to be those guys. Give me the, bi- give me the biz nasties. Give me the Priscilla's. Yeah, I- give me the fucking weirdos. Give me the guys that are going to say something. You're like, it's only game. Why are you like that? That shit like you, that you can remember. You and you're can like, oh, hell yeah. Those guys in with, mm-hmm. with uh, the elite talent in the NHL and yeah. bring it all together. There's guys who are 70, 80, 90 point guys who have personality. They might not play in the market that you want, but the reality is I don't care. And I, I, I think a lot of people maybe don't care about how marketable somebody in Toronto is. That's not the market they're trying to attract. If the NHL that market's already wants, sold, to be honest. Right. They, so not if, sell, if the NHL game will not get bigger to, in Toronto. Yeah, if the NHL is trying to look at 20 southern states and go, we want to bring in viewership from here. Even if you don't live in that state, you want somebody from a nearby team that somebody mm-hmm. can look at and go, you know what? They're going to play here two or three times a year. That's a guy I like watching. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to follow that guy. And those are the players you have to market. And there's tons of them. Like there's personality everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. don't see it. Cole Caulfield. Sorry, Grandy. One last player. Cole Caulfield. I don't know if you guys have seen like the videos of how happy that dude is all the time. And I know it's Montreal and I know it's a saturated market, but if you put that guy in front of a camera, he's going to sell the game because he, that he might love hockey more than any other player I've ever seen. Not, not like be more dedicated or like love it from a standpoint of culture. It's, it's everything to him, but he just, you can see how much joy the game brings him and that's infectious. And those are the players that you need to be front and center with. If you're the NHL. I agree. Grandy, what you got? I, and that's to Matt's point there. I think that's why the NHL is doing as well with the Stanley cup this year as it is because it's marketing it around to Southern teams. So you're capturing all these audiences that, Hey, this is a team near me anybody has a chance to do this and mm-hmm. to and sorry i had some technical difficulties lost my wi-fi for about two minutes there uh but to the point i was trying to make earlier it got kind of covered later on but yeah you can't just mark it around one player you got to do all cole caulfield as matt brought up is a great one because he loves the game he has a great personality but really, that whole that whole UST NDP class is just 
fantastic with it. Jack Hughes, Trevor Zegras, Cole Caulfield. And I know as Coyote fans, we don't like hearing the Trevor Zegras part, but these guys have personality and just win when the camera is on them. And, and you, you don't need to grow the game. You don't need to grow the game in Canada. Like no, everybody knows and we get it. Canada. You tell us all the time how you guys are elite fans and everybody there watches and everybody there knows. But if you're the NHL, like to Grandy's point, these players that are playing in us cities as junior players and growing into the NHL or going to colleges and playing in the NCAA, they're homegrown guys. Those are the guys that you need to like put a put a face to the voice and get them out there. And I don't know if any of you have listened to interviews of him yet, but in two years, the Coyotes are going to have that same kind of personality on their team in Logan Cooley. He yeah. is that guy. Um, mm-hmm. He will be a marketable player for both the local market and the NHL. You know, the thing too is like, as Matt brought up, it's like Canada's need to grow the game. It's like it'd be like putting a, an NFL team in, in another one in da- in a Texas. Like, okay, I mean, there's no point. Everybody like, we're in Texas expand. watches football. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, there's just... I was the weird one not watching high school football. I worked at the grocery store there. They're like, you don't watch high school football. Like, Why the fuck would I watch high school football? I don't have a kid in high school. Why the fuck would I watch? They watch. I mean, that's all they have down there. It's, it's as, as I think uh, Granny said on the podcast, like to hockey like, Minnesota. Yeah, like like so places close early in Texas. So that people mm-hmm. can go watch high school football. That's true. It's not that is absolutely like, true. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. And that I've that's the that's the mantra that the NHL needs to look at and go, they figured out how to do it. We need to figure out how to do it. And the way you do it is by making the stars accessible to people. And, and I think ahead, Arizona, Arizona doesn't do a great job of it. And they have a gem in Christian Fisher. I know all of you guys have seen Christian Fisher interview. Oh yeah, yep. he's a phenomenal interview. He's funny. He's upbeat, and the Coyotes don't push enough of it. I, I I don't know what the mantra around the NHL is about, like keeping everything indoors, and you know we're going to be a private, secluded team, and you might get a soundbite here and there, but that might be good for like keeping things tight in a locker room and it might be good for team chemistry to a, a small extent, but it's terrible for the NHL as a whole. Yeah. I mean, the people like those mic'd up things, mic up compilations always have big hits on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, And that's what you want. You want more stuff like that. Like the baseball player commercial when they're with the, the DQ or whatever. You see just, you know, two great players. The kids are like, Hey, they're like, Hey, you know, like little, Little things like it's not hard to grow the game. That's why I'm wondering why NHL struggling. It's like you guys. I mean, you had a good formula with what? TNT, and it's not just the super. To the point of, it's not just the superstars that you need to do this with. For me, one moment that will I always have that sticks out in my memory growing up watching this team is the George Larocque mic'd up moment. Was it Derek Bugard? <laughs> I think I can't remember who it was, but he essentially mm-hmm. just skates up to the guy and says, "Hey, wanna go?" Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Good luck, man. And then yeah. yep. drops and they square up. Like, I'm a business. That, was, that was just that was awesome. Like, how can you not love that as a fan? That is one of my most memorable moments as a Coyotes fan. It doesn't need to be the superstars. It can be anybody. 
So yeah, it's just another way to drive engagement too. Like, I mean, I know we've all seen the, you know, mic'd up compilations that, you know, oh, yeah. people do bad lip readings on. Dude. Like it mm-hmm. just creates engagement from so many different. Get your sport places. exposed. Is your sport. You know, you know who yeah. used to be like the best at like the on ice mic stuff was Claude Giroux. He was yeah. always great yeah, he was for awesome. something on the ice. Like if Pepsi, you look, huh? that shit was funny as fuck. If you looked up like mic'd up Claude Giroux, <laughs> Best. Like those are those are some like I remember him him being like man you're a fucking pigeon like yeah like, you're just, relevant just things you're like relevant. that you're like, relevant you know, those are, oh my god those are great but Burns if you're gonna another push, good one on those too Drew yeah, Doughty, he is, hate to say it but Drew Doughty's good too yep so if you're gonna yeah. push those things and you want to put a player on each team and and kind of make them the marketable face guy how do you do that through the All Star game. Because that that's ultimately where you get the most, I guess, Normies. media, media like interview type like soundbite stuff from the off the ice. You make stuff. it fun and not this boring ass thing they have now. You there's make it a, fun. There's a really simple answer. There's a really simple answer to this. Bring back the fucking draft. I, that's for real. How do you make the best draft, format yeah. and abandon it? You made the yep. best format and you abandoned it. You created that Something NHL, you dumbasses. Like, like everybody NBA knows. immediately copied it and has stuck with it every year since then. Everybody been, knows it's a Phil Kessel success. getting picked last thing. Mm-hmm. And there's been so many memes about it and like so many like laughs about Phil Kessel being the last guy picked at an all-star game. What was that in like 2007, 2008, somewhere around Yeah, there. something like that. Yeah. And, and everybody talked about it for a year. It was it was something that was nothing but a joke and mm-hmm. and it drew attention. Like how how do you get away from that? That should you never make the happen. best format and you throw it away. Well, also same with the bring I think the hockey world cup should take more over precedence than it is right now. I think it should be that's how you grow the world baseball classic. Just happened a few months ago. Look yeah. how different baseball oh is. Oh my already, god, everybody it watched it. Everybody watched everybody it. was well, watching it. One way to do that is move the world championships from during the playoffs, so the best players always miss, to during the pre- or during the preseason or right before the preseason, kind of like the baseball classic was this year, yeah. because then you can have that be the preseason for some of these players. There's yep. got to be more substance to that, though, because there were tons of players who didn't play in the playoffs this year that decided not to go to the world championship. Well, yeah, but it's also it's also at the end of a 82 game season where 60% of the league is nursing some kind of injury. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that 100%. Year, if you do it at the start of the year, that does I think that makes it a bit easier for those guys to make it too. I, and it brings I think, engagement. World stuff brings engagement. That's why I think I soccer climbs so high is because World with, Cup. I think you got to stick with what Tyler World said. Cup, yeah. You, yeah, you support the World Cup of hockey. Um, the one of the problems with the IIHF is how often is it in a North American time zone? And you know, a lot of those games are starting at two a.m. or eleven p.m. or five a.m. and they're during the week. And I, I don't know that the IIHF. You know those great players, even in preseason, are going to drive viewership for, or they're going to bring in new fans. I guess uh, relative to our topic at hand, I, I don't know that that's it. But the World Cup of Hockey, um, especially when they had like what was it the 
the North American team of players team who are under the age of 23. Yeah. Yeah. That was team so was cool. so much fun. That was, oh, yeah. That's phenomenal. Beautiful. Like you're showcasing the future of the NHL. Mm-hmm. All on well, one. Honoring team. the current players. That's even better. You had yeah. a, you had found the way to do both. NHL. Yeah, that's, that's how you grow the ideas. team and you're getting away from it. It's now in six years whole, since that's happened. Going back, yeah, and it's something that gets brought up every single offseason. Like, hey, remember this? That was fun. NHL not, in the Olympics. Yeah, I was about to say, NHL players not I'm being in the, the Olympics, Olympics is, you know, it's Stupid. a big deal too Stupid. because NHL viewership, you know, you can't just market to North America. You've got players from all over the world playing in this league. You mm-hmm. can draw fans. Like, what's all the point of the going and playing, you know, a, a doubleheader with L.A. and Colorado and Sweden if in Sweden, you know, you're not going to, to market or you're not going to let NHL players play over there in the Olympics where the majority of Swedes are watching hockey. They're watching all these tournaments, IIHF, the Olympics, um, you know, the U-20. That's where those those are the big games for the majority of these smaller countries. And you're not letting your NHL players go there. That's how you grow the market worldwide, not just in North America. I mean, how many people that live in the United States watch Premier League? It might not. It's growing. Yeah, it might not be like. You might have more viewers in Spain, but do you really think Premier League is it doesn't want American viewers? Come on, like that's viewership, that's money, that's revenue on their next contract. Dude, yeah, Manchester United is playing beyond... freaking Wrexham to play in in LA. They're playing that Wrexham team, that the Ryan Reynolds team. The man used playing them in LA. It's ridiculous. That's how you grow the game, NHL. I'm not saying you need some meme team to play, but. I mean, that, that's how you grow it. And then the NFL has the Global Series, where they're going to play games in different markets across the world. Kind of where they chose who goes where, but still, it's it's just it's amazing. NHL, the blueprint's there, and they're just not taking it. Well, since we went down that rabbit hole, and we've talked about Matthew Kachuk quite a bit, um, mm-hmm. getting back to what's actually going on in the NHL right now, Stanley Cup Finals, Vegas up 2 nothing in that series, the game's... I, I don't want to say they haven't been close. Um, if no. you look at a lot of the underlying stuff, um, shots, uh, possession time, things like that, they haven't been bad. Um, Bobrovsky has not been playoff Bob at all. I think he's given up, what, eight goals oh. in the first two games and 11 going back to the final game against Carolina. Like um, has not been playoff Bob. Florida's in a hole, but the series shifts back to Florida for two games. Uh, Chase, thoughts on the series so far? Yeah, I mean, pretty much all the points that we kind of touched on uh, before the series, I mean, you know, uh, that was going to have to be playoff Bob, you know, showing up pretty much all series. Haven't got that so far. Uh, Kachuk is, I mean, that, that hit on Eichel. That's clean, man. But it's unfortunate. But I, I loved Eichel coming back and being like, "Yeah, that was kind of my fault. I was yeah. falling over." You know, like how often does the player that takes that hit and gets instantly sent to, down the tunnel come out in the post game and be like, "Yeah, it was a clean hit. It was a great hit." 
rarely, rarely, <laughs> if ever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an unfortunate event, but exactly. I respect Eichel. Um, you know, he unfortunately was just in a vulnerable position and he got ran over man, like by a train. Like, I mean, it was, it's brutal. It's violent. License plate. It's clean, man. In the context of the rules, it's clean. So, um, but excited to see, you know, going forward, hopefully, uh, some home cooking will get Bob back on his game a little bit at least. Um, but like you said, I mean, when you're looking at shots, uh, time of possession in the offensive zone, et cetera, et cetera, uh, it tells a little bit different story than what's going on. Um, you know, as far as the final scores go, they look a little, especially with this last one lopsided, but, um, I still think we're going to have a great series. I still say at least go six. Um, but, uh, you know, that remains to be seen. Going to have to have playoff Bob going to have to have Kachuk, uh, have a huge you know, a couple games and, you know, uh, going to have to grind them out, but I'm excited. Um, I, it's, it's been an entertaining series. I will say that, um, no, nothing, you know, there's not been any sort of, uh, you know, highlight plays, hits, uh, et cetera. It's, it's been fun to watch, it's been engaged the entire time. Um, uh, so praying for more of that, but, uh, I still say it goes six or seven. One thing I saw that I was pretty interesting that, that was pointed out was Matthew Kachuk has played differently in the Stanley Cup Finals than he has at any other round of these playoffs. It was actually friend of the podcast, Mike Gould, who pointed it out, where in the previous rounds, Matthew Kachuk was looking to dominate on the offensive side, using his physicality there, but not looking to so much asserted dom- or, uh, in other stretches and was letting others you do that role, like Stan Bennett, who's done a fantastic job of that all playoffs long. But in this series, his offensive impact has not been anywhere near what it's been at any other point this ser- at these playoffs. And Ballot. he is trying to be that physical tone setter. I think Matthew Kachuk needs to go back to what he was doing these previous rounds still bringing that offensive physical edge and the forecheck and all of that, but focusing more on creating the offensive zone than just looking to assert his physical dominance. Um, But all of that aside, if playoff Bob doesn't show back up, it's all a moot point because it's not just the amount of goals that have been let up. It's, the type of goals there's at least been two each of these each of these games where you're like that's something no other goalie would have let in in this moment it's it was they were so bad was it like the third the third goal he gave up uh in game two that went post and in and and it i think it was barbashev that just like walked out and and snapped it post and in he never moved that that yep, just didn't that, look like him at all. And, and to me, that was the defining moment of that game, more so than anything else. All of the physical play came after that because it looked like Florida was just... It had broken them for all intents and purposes. Like, that was it. That was the straw that broke the camel's back type of thing. Um, And it just it changed the whole outlook of the game from then on. 
it was relatively close. Like you said, Matt, shots, possession time, all of that was relatively close until that third goal. After that third goal, shots and possession time tell an entirely different story, and it was heavily slanted Vegas' favor. Um, so I, I'm going to agree with you mostly, um, but to disagree with you and Mike Gould, um, game one, 3-2 game, Kachuk hits the post. Um, he doesn't get into the extracurricular stuff until there's about four minutes left in the game. Otherwise, I think he played game one similar to how he played most of the series against Carolina and against uh, Toronto. Um, game two, I does anybody besides me have an issue with a 10-minute misconduct for tapping the stick out of somebody's hand? Or getting the 10-minute misconduct after throwing, and, and we don't know like what may have gotten said in the scrum or whatever, but him and Barbashev each getting 10 minutes after he threw a clean hit. Um, I want to say it was maybe Chris Peters or, or Scott Wheeler. Somebody I, I remember seeing somebody tweet out that there were 11 total 10-minute misconducts in the playoffs. And Kachuk got two of them in one game for two things that were unbelievably questionable as to whether or not they should have even been two-minute penalties. Yep. Yeah, I think the second one was the refs trying to get control of the back of a game that was well out of control. So I don't have as much of an issue with that one. But the first one was like, what? what is this? Why? What was the point? It was a scrum after a hit. It was a scrum after a hit. Like what? What happened that him and Barbashev both get ten minutes for that? So either there had to be something major said in the scrum, or just yeah. I I guess I I guess that's where I kind of disagree with you and Mike. Um, I I don't necessarily think Kachuk's been bad in the series. I think he's had his chances. Um, short of a post, short of, he he had the the setup pass on the Nick Cousins who thought he had a goal and Aiden Hill made an unbelievable stick save on. If Cousins doesn't skate away to celebrate that, he probably gets his own rebound off the stick and scores anyway. And Kachuk's got an assist there. I don't think Matthew Kachuk's played bad at all. I think he's played pretty well. He maybe hasn't dominated quite as much as he did against Carolina, but he's not the reason Florida's losing by any means. No, I'd agree with so, you there, Matt. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely not played um, the same up to the same standards, I, I'd say. But uh, I, I still see him having an impact. Although, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's tough. It's tough because um, I love his game and, and and everything like that and everything that he's doing currently. Um, I'd agree. You know, it's just I'd, I'd like to see him get a couple more uh, chances up involved in the play per game, uh, make make some things happen. But I agree, he hasn't been a total ghost up there, but uh, definitely not up to like the level you know of the previous series. But you also made some good points and uh, you know pointed out a couple plays that you know if they do take a different bounce than he is on that score sheet, then you know is around it so uh, it's tough but so i'm excited for him to play in florida though let's go on the other side of this on the other side of this what does aiden hill's contract at the end of the season look like fat. he is a usa fat it's fat 
it's going to be fat. Whether he deserves it or not, I think he's going to get the money. Whether you think he deserves I think he's going to get a fat paycheck. Just because he's the goalie that was in the Stanley Cup final. Has a name attached to it, you know? Somebody's going to take a flyer, you'd have to think. Yeah, right? exactly. Mm-hmm. I think five Someone's years ago, it, I think five years ago, it might have been a big deal. I think the fact that the cap hasn't moved much in the last three years, teams are already slightly cap strapped, that sure. it's going to come down to Aiden Hill didn't play a single game in what the first series and only played one game in the second series. Um, he's basically the default guy behind, you know, Logan Thompson, who was hurt. Somehow he beats out Jonathan Quick. I, I would have assumed that Quick would have started a few games at this point, but um, you know we're we're still talking about a guy who's like 37 now, who's not as athletic as he used to be. But I we see a lot of Coyotes fans talking about Aiden Hill, and we never should have traded him. And you know what? Goalies are like the most taboo thing in hockey. They will go on streaks. They will look phenomenal. And then, yeah, and then they will be right back to their normal self. And Tyler's got it like nail, hammer on nail right there. Mike Smith, Smith. Mike Smith was a mediocre goalie in Dallas, comes to Arizona, has one or two fair years, and then blows up, goes on a Stanley Cup run, and then is right back to mediocre Mike, Mike Smith. Ass. And there's the, yeah. And then there's the whole like, oh, well, it's Arizona's fault. They're a bad team and they ship them off to Calgary. And Ass. yeah, I mean, I, he he didn't secure Calgary's like continuous playoff success or anything like that. I think Calgary <laughs> makes playoffs the first year and then they miss again. He so talk shit to a team that gave him a chance and then blue dogs for quarters in Calgary. <laughs> That's exactly it. So, yes, Aiden Hill probably prolonged his NHL career. Um, and the the love from Coyotes fans is I I don't want to be insulting here, but it's gilded to be honest. You remember do you mean, guys remember when Coyotes fans loved Louis Domingue after we traded Mike Smith? They yeah, love like, Louis Domingue. Goalies goalies yeah. get hot for a month or two at a time. And I, Aiden Hill is red hot right now. This, this is Bob in Florida. Bob's been ugh, rough for two and a half years. And he got hot for a month and a half. And we talked about, does it make his contract worth it if they win a cup? Sure. But when you're talking about signing a UFA goalie who just won a cup coming off a hot streak, he didn't win it for your team if you're signing him as a UFA. So you have to be careful with that because somebody's going to pay gonna get paid. Somebody's going to pay Aiden Hill like they did with Matt Murray. And it's not going to work out. Matt Matt Murray came off a Stanley Cup win. Now, I mean, Mid. Ottawa paid a price for Toronto to take him and now, now Toronto's, Toronto's looking to, pay a, to pay a price for somebody to take him. So there's there's a big risk in paying goalies but if aiden hill wins a stanley cup uh you know he's getting a fat dick well he deserves I, I or not he, that, I mean, yeah i, I think he probably way. gets I mean, a three-year five million dollar deal somewhere 
you know, similar to the Cal Peterson contract for being able to perform under pressure, assuming Vegas wins the cup and, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't fold, but to put it in perspective for Los Angeles to get off that Cal Peterson contract, they just had to trade away a second round pick, a decent, if not great prospect in hell's Grons and take in 30% of Ivan Provorov's hit for two years just to get off of that Cal Peterson contract. Now, they, they were able to get out from under Sean Walker, so there is some silver lining there. But yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge haul to have to pay just to get out from under $5 million. Yeah, amazing. We see these contracts where like, oh, overpaid, yeah. making like six million, and you have like NFL players making like two hundred thirty-three million dollars. Like, damn, another thing too crazy. on the uh, another thing too on the goalie front is Elliot Friedman brought this up. Just based on goalies he's heard available this offseason, you have Carter Hart, Connor Heliabuck, Carol Vemelka, uh, Tristan Jari is a UFA. You have, and then there's going to be countless other goalie shuffling as a result of those moves, if any of them get moved. I, so, I heard Matt Murray's available. Oh, yeah. I heard, I, I heard that, too. too. Pretty pretty strongly. Mid-Murray. Um, now, granted, it's just speculation, but Vladar is another one who's possibly available coming out of Calgary. I, it's It might be a, a heavy he, market for goalies. Yeah, because Freeman did say there's like five, six others out there that are varying levels of 1B to backups as well, on top of those three names he mentioned that are bona fide starters. So there's a lot of movement that's going to happen with goalies this offseason. He even brought up that he's heard rumblings on Markstrom, though he doesn't fully believe it right now. That'd that'd be a hard one because Markstrom's contract is, what, $5 for like another three years or something like that? Which, which is why he doesn't fully believe and, the Markstrom rumblings. And Markstrom wasn't great last year. So value at an all-time low. They don't necessarily need to move him. But yeah, I mean, this this is kind of like when the Coyotes traded Kemper. Going into that, into July 1st, there were a ton of goalies on the market. And they all dried up. And you had one team left, but... No team was without a goalie by the time it was all said and done. And I think we're going to see that again this coming year. Any team, New Jersey, you know, especially after the way uh, Vanacek played in the playoffs, they're going to be on the hunt. Ottawa's rumored to be on the hunt. Um, I don't know how strongly Toronto is going to be in a, in on a goalie. Um, well, Samsonov wasn't bad, but he didn't play great in the playoffs. But and even Allmark is rumored to be a potential cap dump out of Boston because they like Jeremy Swayman. Uh, when talking Carter Hart, he did Friedman did mention Toronto as one of the teams that was in on him. I don't see what they give up to get him, but all right. Well, if you guys haven't been able to watch your NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, we have a special offer for you. If you're missing out on your favorite games of the week, you can sign up for a subscription to ESPN Plus, your number one spot to watch NHL hockey by visiting insidetherink.com slash ESPN. Thank you for sponsoring this video. Much appreciated, ESPN. 
audio. My audio is messed up? No, no, no. Thank you for sponsoring this audio. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Not not till the week. As after. a reminder, the video uh, comes. Yeah. The video comes soon, guys. Twenty eighth. Twenty eighth. It will debut. You debut the twenty eighth, um, and after that, we'll see how that goes, and we'll see what format we like best, and go from there. So perfect. Like like you all to know, there's going to be a lot of beards on that episode. Sure is. I'm sure you mind just for the occasion. So I stick out. You guys can remember me a little bit better. I'm a name tag, but just so in case you can remember who it is. <laughs> but, Grandy, yes. I believe we asked our listeners out there what they think, right? About, yep. let me remind you here, I had a long day at work. Give me one second here. Should have pulled this up before, but I am host supreme, so give me one second. I have it. I have it Got right it. here if you Perfect. want me to read it. Let's so see. I asked, who's your favorite draft prospect for the Coyotes at six and why? Answer below. Um, and we got several responses. One from Shane R, who said trade down to nine with Detroit for nine and seventeen, where he said if he traded down, he'd be hoping for one of Dvorsky, Leonard, Moore at nine, Reinbacher at twelve, Parole at seventeen. Uh, Michael Kincor said he really liked Edward Shalley in part because of the Czech connection with the Yotes. But if Mishkov or Will Smith are available, they are his picks. But to give more detail on why he likes Shale, he's 6'2", light for his height currently, but can grow into it, and played in an adult Czech this league and put up 14 points in 43 games. Not bad. Haynes P. Evans brought up Ryan Leonard, physical player with great skill set and sharp hockey IQ. Alex Grandy, don't know who that guy is, Brought yeah. up Matt Vibishkov. Um, Matt Vibishkov, go for the biggest swing possible. And then Cooper Kriegbaum brought up many may not agree, but Ryan Leonard, absolute dog, would be a very Armstrong pick. Lots of upside, too. I heard that with a Boston accent. I don't know why I did, but I did. <laughs> I don't know if Cooper, if you are from Boston, but I read that in an accent. So, what do you, what do you think? Grandy, with all those responses, how do you feel? One way so, I don't see us getting both 9 and 17 for the trading down, first off. Well, if he asked nicely. I think I just, it's, we'd have to add to that trade, and I just don't... As much as there might be some teams willing to trade up to Mishkov to get Mishkov... If they know the Coyotes aren't going to take him, why would they pay an exorbitant price to come up to get him at that pick? Why wouldn't they just, oh, hey, we'll just keep talking to the next team. So uh, I think we could get a second, maybe two seconds out of it uh, for a trade up of three spots. But that's more in line with what it's costed in the past is two or one to two seconds to trade up three picks in the top half of the draft. Um, and then Reinbacher at 12, based on just about every single mock out there, he's not going to be at 12. Most mocks even have him going before the Coyotes pick at six. Now they have him going five that I've read from yeah, the guys I was gonna who say, like, we may not have a shot at him at either pick. Yeah. Cause both Chris Peters and Corey Promen, who are both very tuned into the NHL, uh, what people think, 
have him going at five right now. And that tells me that there is definite noise of him going top five. Um, maybe not it. to Montreal, but hey, considering both me and Matt had him there in our mock drafts, I'd be all for it. Uh, but Matt, what do you think about the trade down potential there? I've talked about it in previous episodes. I don't like the idea of moving out of your spot unless unless you're maybe like Chicago or somebody who's in a position where it's year one of your rebuild and you just need as many picks as possible. I don't think that's where the Coyotes are anymore. Um, they've got Dylan Gunther in the pipeline. Michelli emerged this year. Um you have to plan on moving forward with the pieces you have. So you have to assume Clayton Keller is going to be there long-term. Barrett Hayton's been pretty decent and they've had some luck in the second round on defensemen. So at this point, I, I think you need substance over quantity. So if uh, somebody would have to blow you away with a trade offer, I think to move down. And in this case, 9 and 17 might get you there because you're picking 9, 12, and 17 in a draft that, you know, the the first round might equate to the top 15 in most years. So you look at that and go, well, we're going to get three quality players here. But I think the quality of player that you can get at six outweighs, especially, you know, if you're you're laser focused in on your guy, I think it outweighs what you might get with nine and 17. Are you going to get a type of player at 17 that makes up for the gap in the player you're getting between nine and six? And uh, to me, it's, it's close, but I think you have to get your guy at this stage of the rebuild. You can't just take the best player available at nine and call it good. The other thing I think with that too, just as a brief add on before we get to Tyler and Chase if they have any thoughts. The other thing I think with that too is there's a lot of teams where Matt Vimishkov makes sense. I'm not so sure Detroit is one of them because Detroit is looking to compete quicker and I don't know if they want to wait three years for their guy to come over. Um, But uh, Chase, Tyler, either of you have thoughts on that? You guys nailed it. Uh, prospects, as we all know, definitely my weaker spots. Uh, I trust you boys are said something very intelligent. So good job. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I mean, the two names that, uh, that, you know, that I hear are Bedard and uh, Mishkov. So uh, obviously no chance at Bedard. Doubt we have a chance at, at Mishkov, but uh, if he's there, that, that's going to have to be my pick just based on, I don't know very many others right now. So, um, but the type of, talent that he has boomer like, i mean that could be a big boom but like i said gotta wait a couple of years for him to be ready to come over and stuff like that which would actually probably fit our timeline pretty good but um you know that's all i've got on it so then the next one is edward shawley what's your thoughts on him mike uh matt way too high to take him at six i i like him as a player um i i think there's time that has to go into his development but i really do like his potential but way too high at six might even be too high at 12 assuming the scenario happens like in the last question where we trade back and end up with nine and 17 i'd love him at 17 but i i think there's too many players ahead of him that are 
you know, you can't pass on for Chalet. So what were you going to say, Tyler? Actually, I, I forgot we had one more uh, Chalet, but I was going to say for my question of the week, that is locked and loaded and ready to go. But oh, yeah. More. So we're going to get into the Ryan Leonard here because it's going to mm-hmm. start a long conversation. So we're going to get into our question of the week, and then we're going to get into Ryan Leonard because this is going to be a heavily me and Matt uh, dominated subject. So let's get into our question of the week. Go from there. All right. All right, boys, you ready? Yes, sir. All right, perfect. I wonder if Chase was his little camera was off, making sure. All right. As we know, Diablo 4 just dropped this week. Great game. 10 out of 10. Well, more like 8.5 out of 10. It's not perfect. Needs a Demon Hunter class, but that's neither here nor there. So I thought, I'm going to give you guys, I don't know how familiar you are with Diablo, Matt, but if not, GLHF. So I'm I'm most familiar with the meme that came out that I saw today that was like you just ordered a pizza from Pizza Hut. It's a Friday night. You're gonna eat oh, yeah. a pizza, drink a two liter of Mountain Dew, and play Diablo. It's not 2006. It's 2023. Yeah, that's exactly how I live my life. So <laughs> I'll give you. I'd kill for some pizza, Doritos, some game fuel. Give me six hours. Do you yeah, like your cheese melted on your pizza? I have to. It's pizza. It's mozzarella. It's, it's a requirement for mozzarella. It's the only cheese he takes melted cheese with, right? Is mozzarella. Yeah, I can do some oh, cheddar, cheddar too, but it's got to be it's got to be in certain applications. It's like no Sorry. Velveeta, though, right? Fuck no. Sorry for ruining your question, Tyler. Please. No, proceed. no, you're fine. That that was important. No, no, please. Uh, <laughs> so you're going to dive the depths of hell. Give me your. Coyotes player, your NHL player, past or present for the NHL player, yourself, and what classes you'd bring with you. They so need to assign to them. Wait, is the question one of each? One Coyotes yeah, one of each. and one NHL? Yep, NHL, past okay. or present, and yourself. What class are you taking? What class do you assign to them? Who's your players? And that's it. Chase, you ready? Oh. Oh, Granny's ready. Go. I got this. Okay, so okay. my Coyote is going to be the Barbarian class. And it is going to be Liam O'Brien. That's a really good one. That's a really That's good one. Just perfect sense. Then, okay, this is an ex-Coyote, but it works because I'm playing off of the nickname. Okay. He's also far more renowned for his Carolina days anyways. Good work, I'm going to go yeah. Ray Whitney, and he'll be, since I don't have that Wizard, works. he'll be a Sorcerer. That works. Okay. Uh, then I'm going to play on and I'm just going to be the support to Druid watching those two kick ass and just keeping them alive. They're going to turn into a bear? A were bear? <laughs> uh, my barbarian with, I'm not- bringing in is going to be Darren McCarty. Uh, past present NHL player. That's going to be him. He's obviously in the past. Mean motherfucker from Detroit, dude. Goddamn. Mm-hmm. Loved watching him play though. That dude, uh, man, the the Lemieux stuff, and I mean, just everything, man. Like that dude is tough as nails, and he'll keep going. Perfect tank. Anybody that um, wants to know more about him, uh, go watch that uh, Unrivaled. 60, so good, uh, man. E60 so series. good. So that good. was such a that good was dude unbelievable. Too. Talk so much about mm-hmm. McCartney. Go mm-hmm. watch it. So good. 
And it kind of shows how good of a person he is too. Like, I mean, he, he left all that stuff out there and he handled business, but you know, uh, just, just a good dude. Uh, so I like him a lot. One of my favorite players that's not a coyote, uh, in history, but, um, coyote, let's see here. Ray Whitney was a really good choice for the sorcerer. Um, but I'm going to go redeem verbata. Um, the, just for the shootout moves alone, the memories and everything like that. I'm going to let him be my sorcerer. Um, those shootout goals were nothing short of sorcery. I, I, I mean, people still try to pull off that move and it still works. So uh, it's got to count for something, right? And it then does. I am going to go ahead and cast myself as the necromancer. And only because that's what I started as last night and got it up to like rank 12 or some, something like that. But I think we're going to do some damage. We're going to get through and, you know, climb world tiers pretty quick. Yep. Diablo's dead. What do you mean? Nope. All right. So I don't know what any of the classes in Diablo are because it, it was never my game. So, uh, but going off of what you guys have talked about, Barbarian, how is it not Bob Probert? Like, that's a good that's one. Really good one. Yeah. Good that, one. that dude, that dude is gonna murder everybody. <laughs> Barbarians I, do. I so yeah, it's it's got to be him. Um, my wizard. No offense, Barrett Hayton, but it's you because you look like you probably play Magic: The Gathering. So <laughs> I'm sure you know something about spells. Uh, so, so that's gonna be my wizard. Um, is there a fat guy in Diablo? The druid. That's me. Pretty big boy. That's me. Got a big beard. <laughs> Transform into a bear or a wolf, depending on whichever one you choose. Can it be an alligator so I could beat myself? There you go. I'll allow it. There you go. Matt, you can okay. beat yourself any day you want already. <laughs> I have a wife, buddy. <laughs> no one say it. Chase, no. I know. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Your department's breathing down my neck. I know. I told him. I told him. I told him. I told him not to make the joke. Jeez, all over me. All right, back to the back to the show. Jeez, um, I'd be the demon hunter. Favorite class. Not gonna lie. It's just I love it. Give me the caltrops. Give me the somehow rapidly shooting a crossbow. I don't care. It's awesome. Cool glowing eyes. For my, I'm going with druid because I think it's kind of a goofy class to begin with. Ilya Brizgalov, because he's a bear. Russian bear, baby. He's a Russian bear. He's going to go in and just use that weird voice that he uses and just slaughter whatever demon comes our way. Uh, Current coyote. Let's see. We have the muscle. You got the glass cannon. Arranged, I should say. I got a pretty strong jaw. Uh, I'd go with... Hmm. Give me veggie as... My witch doctor. I feel like it just kind of, I don't know. I feel like he'd just be kind of weird. I just, I like it. I'm just going to go with it. Weird name, witch doctor. That's what I'm sold on. So that's my question of the week. All right. So I had to look up classes and there's a rogue class. Yeah. And the description being the fast and deadly ranged fighter could lay siege. I'm going to go with OEL there. Just because that dude scored, what, 24 goals from a distance? So I'm going to take I'm going to take OEL as a rogue 
and Probert as a barbarian rather than going with um Barrett. Yeah, Hayton as a sorcerer because I, I thought there was maybe like three classes or four classes or something. Like I said, I don't know the game. But looking at what some of the classes in Diablo are, yeah, I mean that that makes sense, right? Like yeah, yeah. yeah range, it does. I'm I'm gonna take a yeah, wheel there. It does. Okay. Tyler's raging right now. I mean, you you could even no, go with Paladin, I can't rage. Like, natural party leader, holy man, blessed warrior. That's Shane Doe, right? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. He's definitely the Paladin. Yeah, he even writes like a Bible verse on his stick. So, yeah, definitely the Paladin, 100%. Yep. And then you can have Mike Smith be the Necromancer. He saved his career from the dead. So, he owes us one. So, there you go, Necromancer. <laughs> and we have. Uh, I feel like Gospel okay. Spare fits that role, too. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Matt needs to go, go pick up the game, and we'll get them involved. Yep. Hey, maybe you should just start playing Zelda, bud. Yeah, Zelda, bud. Do it. I love it's a great Zelda. game. There you go. There you go. I'm at hey, the Zoras now. I haven't gotten it yet. I'm still in Jedi I didn't Survivor. Know, I didn't know Diablo Zelda was a IP. co-op game. It's, it's not. not. That's what that's what Chase is I talking about. I didn't know about. Diablo co-op. was. It is, it is. four player, maybe. maybe. Let's go. Okay, well, Call of Duty's multiplayer. Why don't you play that? We do. we do play that with you guys. Let's do oh, it. Modern, Modern Warfare Two. Yeah, we yeah. got it. Back back when Call of Duty was still good. Yep. <laughs> oh, oh, gee, not that. Yeah, not oh, that. I was, say, I was like, oh, I mean, I, my Series X can play it, so yeah, we can bring it over for Couch Co-op. <laughs> that can be arranged, man. We can arrange this. Let us know, Matt. Just real quick before we get back to the actual subject at hand, I'm I'm I miss OG yeah, Call cool. of Duty so much. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Modern yeah, Warfare like, Two was great. Modern Warfare was good too. Uh, it, it, yeah, it was Call of Duty Four, Modern Warfare, uh, yeah. or Modern Warfare Two. That was like the pinnacle of first-person online games. That was Halo Three has a thing to say about that real quick though. Halo Three was uh, also up there. Nah, oh, I don't think it was it? as big as Call of Duty. Halo Halo was only for Xbox though. Yeah. So I mean, Call of Duty, you had you had every system. You had PC, you had Xbox, you had PlayStation. There was no hey, nobody Nintendo was left DS, maybe. So I had it on because I didn't have it. Was on DS? The first, like, Call of Duty Four came out. Yeah, I had on, on my DS. Yeah, I didn't know it was on DS. Then I got a, then I got an Xbox and I bought World at War and Modern Warfare Two. But the first Modern Warfare I played on my little DS. Yep, not very good. N- not not good. Not at all. I, I I couldn't imagine it being real easy to play on a DS. It, you know, like do one hand with the stylus to turn and use like your thumb or index finger to shoot. So you're holding it like yeah. this cramping up and it's a tiny screen. Yeah. So, yeah see that, would... that would be, that would be annoying. I, I wouldn't enjoy that. Yeah. yeah. Me either. That's all I had. You did then what you had to do. No online play. There's different story too. It had something to do with like some bomb briefcase you're chasing the whole game. like eight missions and you're done. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't a lot. Not great. Well, and just like that, we've talked about two of the three games that, I'm willing to play. Diablo will be on there. I think you'd like Diablo. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm good at it. Like co-op, co-op games piss me off ball. because other people annoy me. Like when they go off and do their own thing and I'm like, what are you doing? Stop. Stop doing that. You're Focus pissing me off. I don't want to play hand. anymore. Yeah, I don't want to play anymore. You're you're pissing me off. We could play that, Final Fantasy 14 free drop to level 60. No. Oh, no. 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 We're not doing that again. 
That's all I'm we've already, heard about. Really I'm already much. level 80 Dark Knight. I can carry you guys. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Let me carry yeah, you. Is about all you're going to get out of me right now. <laughs> Let's play. I was it's, it's, so it's upset when I went to go. I try to make my cousin, dude. It's like, I mean, realistically, like I play Warzone with these boys. I play Diablo with these boys. But if if it wasn't for like the social interaction that we we have, I probably would not play Call of Duty today anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah, honestly, so yeah. I can't sit there and play it by myself. I, but when I get nobody, on with nobody boys, wants to be called a cocksucker by a twelve year old. Enough, not anymore. I'm had, I'm old enough to be past that now. Yeah, I had stopped playing completely until you know I started dating a girl who played it pretty religiously. Ooh, ooh, so, ooh. lucky dog. Oh. He's pretty I damn good at it, by the I way. Speaking of, anyways, God damn, she's good. We get dubs now, dude. This is she dub is. city. She really is. But back, back to the subject at hand. Let's go. Yeah, let's go back to Diablo. Uh, so, everyone knows <laughs> Demon's Hunter is the best class. I don't care. Fuck you, Blizzard, for not putting that in the game. But I think we're ready for our Ryan Leonard talk, I think, right? You guys want to take the floor on that one? Oh, wait, the draft info, Grandy, real quick inside the rink draft thing you wanted to talk about yes before uh before we start going all these players that we've mentioned already and really like the first 125 players um currently have a draft profile either written already or in the process of being written on inside the rink so go there for all your draft coverage. We have several great writers working on these, parking very hard on getting these all before the draft gets here. And they should be done. We're done through the first round. We're done through the first two rounds, I think. So we're waiting on round three, and or not round three, I shouldn't say. The top 60 are done. We're waiting on the next 60. But once those are done, we will have 120 draft prospect profiles up on Inside the Rink. We have a whole page now dedicated to it. And I am one of the writers working on those draft prospect profiles myself. So come support us, support me, and just check out some some great great write-ups on prospects. And the app. You can download the app on Google Play and the App Store. Yeah. I'll second that, Grandy, because uh, you sent me one of your articles and write-ups you did earlier today, and we yeah. kind of discussed it. But I, I loved it, man. You kept it. Uh, lots of little info in there, but it's short, sweet, and you get everything you need within a couple paragraphs. There's a paragraph of pros, a paragraph of cons, um, and you know he's gone, done work, and shown like where other draft experts have him going. So. It's all really good info, easy to digest, and you can get through them pretty quick because they are short, and it's awesome. It's to the point. I like it a lot. Perfect. All right, so getting on to Ryan Leonard. A lot of our listeners uh, know Grandy and I for having opposite opinions and spending way too long arguing and debating about who's right. Uh, You're not going to get that this time. Because we're both in agreement here. Um, There's so much talk about Ryan Leonard to the Coyotes amongst the Coyotes fan base. Um, I I think all of that started when the um, NPD um, coach was on the PHNX podcast. And Ryan Leonard was brought up and talked about considerably. There's a lot of people who think Ryan Leonard 
is a lot bigger than he is. Um, he's listed at 5'11", 180. Clayton Keller's listed at 5'10", 178. So we're talking about a guy who's basically Clayton Keller size. Um, he's not the Armstrong profile that seems to get pushed around. Um, he's uber talented. Don't get me wrong. He's a great prospect. But I think Coyotes fans are falling in love with him for the wrong reasons. Um, especially if you're not somebody that watches a ton of tape that loves draft profiles and, and that gets as invested in the draft as, you know, some of the, some of the guys who look forward to it all year. So for me personally, I don't like the Ryan Leonard pick. I don't like that option. There's guys who are bigger, who have just as much upside, um, who play a premier position, whether it's center or defense, who make a lot more sense there. I'm not bashing on Ryan Leonard as a prospect. I don't want anybody to feel that way. But he's not the guy, I think, that if the Coyotes drafted him, a lot of people would expect him to be. Plays with a ton of grit. There's a lot to be said about that. But they're not drafting Matthew Boldy if they're drafting Ryan Leonard. Grandy thoughts. So, real quick. He's five foot eleven, one eighty five right now. He will grow into that five eleven. But I was just searching earlier today for players that are similar sized, and Blake Coleman stood out right around two fifteen. Um, but if he doesn't hit that full two fifteen, the next closest player to that size would be Max Domi at five foot ten, or two hundred and five pounds. That's just, to me, Max Domi is a good example of a player who can play with that edge, who plays physical, because Max Domi does play really physical. That is never going to be what carries his game, because he can't um, on, amongst NHL players. Now, Blake Coleman, if he can hit that size, that weight, that might be a good size, but I don't think Blake Coleman is anything to write home about in terms of that at least outside of his Tampa years. Um, but Ryan Leonard is far more skilled than either of those. And that's what, that's what my selling point on him is. is he is insanely skilled. Four wingers, I have him third right behind Matt Vymishkov. Zach Benson and then him because Zach Benson just has more skill, more elite talent, even if he's smaller. I wouldn't go Zach Benson if I'm the Coyotes, personally. I'd probably even go Ryan Leonard over Zach Benson. But that's beside the point because where the Coyotes are picking, there's going to be some great talent available. Either Matvai Mishkov is there and the best wing in the draft is there one of the best players in the draft in total, or you're having an elite potential center fall in Will Smith, who could potentially be there. Again, I doubt it with him, but if he's there, you, you got to take him. Or the direct comparable, Dalibor Dvorsky. I brought this up to Matt earlier today. Dalibor Dvorsky is currently six foot one, 205 pounds. 
he currently is the player everyone wants Ryan Leonard to be. And he's a center. And he's a two-way player. And I was just reading a write-up on him by Scott Wheeler earlier today, talking about how Scott Wheeler really thinks Tyler uh, Dvorsky's skill is getting forgotten about because of his two-way play, his two-way effectiveness. So because he's a good defensive player and he brings all of that, people are sleeping on his skill, but he's really, really shown it. I think if Dalibor Dvorsky played in the United States or even just in juniors at all, I don't even think this is a debate. I think he's putting up the same kind of eye-popping numbers. I think he's... I, I think Dalibor Dvorsky is clearly everyone's lead. But because Leonard has the eye-popping numbers that you get playing in the USNDTB, played with two incredible players in Gabe Parole and Will Smith, I just I think there's an overinflated sense of who Ryan Leonard is versus the position, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, I, for I definitely to agree. Go, to go that wing, he's got to be a clear here above a center. Like I said, Matvai Mishkov, to me, is a tier above Dalibor Dvorsky. I'm going Mishkov. Otherwise, I'm going Dvorsky over Leonard every day at six because he brings all the same stuff Leonard brings with better defensive game and just as good of offense. And is a center and is that size. Like, everything to me just screams Dalibor Dvorsky with his pick. Um, just if you're not familiar with him, I would read up, I would watch some tape, I would watch highlights, I would read what some of the draft prospect people say about him because there's plenty of reason to be excited about Dalibor Dvorsky. Uh, but I just I'm really worried that if he were to take Ryan Leonard, people would be incredibly disappointed when that physical edge doesn't necessarily show itself that well in the NHL because guys at that size have a tough time showing it because they're just outclassed by the bigger players. And that's a great point to bring up. Um, The game that Ryan Leonard's current physical maturity allows him to play that gives him an advantage isn't something that necessarily translates over to the NHL at his size. If we were talking about a guy like Slavkovsky who went at 6'4", over 200 pounds, um, if he's playing in the USHL for the development team at the time, and and granted, I I get all the reasons why that's not even a possibility. Hypothetically here, that makes a lot of sense to go, well, yeah, he did all those things and his game can translate because he is 6'4", he is over 200 pounds. It's very, very difficult. I I mean, if you look at guys who are like natural goal scorers and you go, yeah, he's going to be a great pro because he can score goals. Well, scoring goals in the NHL is the hardest thing to do. Well, Ryan Leonard's 5'11", and he plays with grit, but he does it against kids. Going to the NHL and 
playing that big, heavy physical game against mature men, that's that's a whole different thing. And I'm not saying he can't be that guy. Um, but if he reaches 5'11", 200 pounds, he's not above average in height. He's not above average in weight. Um, you're relying on his motor at that point to drive his game. And I think there's guys who have an equal motor. Anybody that watched Dvorsky play at the U18, they saw firsthand the drive that he has and how passionate he is about winning. Um, I think that's true about guys like Matthew Wood, who, if you're talking about big wingers who have a natural ability to score, Matthew Wood is that guy. And Matthew Wood is available six picks later with all, all likelihood. So, Again, I'm I'm not down on Ryan Leonard, but I I do caution anybody who thinks um you know he's he's this big kid who's close to NHL ready who's you know mature in size and who's going to bring a heavy game. I I don't see that being him. I I think he's he's a, a very skilled NHL player who's going to put up a lot of points. I don't think he he's going to drive his own line. Um, he he'll probably create some turnovers and and he'll be a guy who can play the net front on the power play and that sort of thing. And there's nothing wrong with taking him at six, but I don't think he fits the need or the profile that Coyotes fans think he's going to fit. Especially again over someone like Dvorsky, who plays a more premier position at center. Even if he doesn't hit at center, then you move him to wing and you have Ryan Leonard, just European. Um, and, and for what it's I worth, think- when Dvorsky played wing, he played on the right side, which is where the Coyotes might actually be thin. If you look at where their roster is at now with Keller, Michelli, and Kraus all playing down the left side, and the potential that, that Schmaltz isn't there long term. Dylan Gunther is their only true right winger right now in their system. So even if Dvorsky doesn't hit at center, when he's played wing at the pro level overseas in Europe, he's played on the right side. So that's that's another huge positive for him over a guy like Leonard, who you're going to plug in on the left side in a in a position you're already pretty deep at. Yeah. There, again... I really like Leonard. This is nothing to do. This isn't, I'm not trying to, and it's so frustrating that I sound like a hater right now because I don't, I really like him. If we were picking at eight or nine and those premier positions, the center and right defense were taken, I'd have zero issue going Ryan Leonard. I just don't like the idea of going one of those non-premier positions over the guy who's going to be a wing his whole career. Especially when, like you said, we look pretty set going forward with the wing. In worst case scenario, if you get set with center, you can move a center to wing. You really struggle moving wings to centers. It doesn't work. It so for just, for example, anybody that follows Dylan Gunther real closely in his development, 
Um, Edmonton Oil Kings last year experimented with Gunther playing down the middle, and it just doesn't work. It's so hard to move a winger into the middle if that's where you're weak. Yeah, whereas moving a center to wing, well, suddenly the center who's used to going up, well, the center of the ice, where it's more crowded, more clogged, has more room to operate on the wing if he has other center creating for him. And it opens up his game that much more. Um, and a big, a big aspect that's changed in the NHL has become more forward defense as opposed to the position. Um, if you have centers that you've moved out to wing, those guys understand the role of that third forward high. Um, whereas sometimes with wingers, they get caught down low, despite the fact that the center has ended up down low as well. And that's where you end up with a lot of odd man rushes. So you're far more benefiting from moving a center to wing than trying to teach a winger to move into the middle because they understand that role of I've got two guys low. I have to be the responsible guy. It, it's it's and, really beneficial there. And for me, comparing the two, Dvorsky to Leonard, the defense just isn't even close. Ryan Leonard might develop into a good defender or a good defensive player down the road. But Dvorsky, again, is that currently for his team. He's not NHL ready there yet because no young player we're talking about here is. But he's going to grow more with that as well. So that's just going to get better down the road. I just, it's just. And it, it's worth when you're picking like this high. Said, like we've both said, we're not against Leonard. If Leonard's there at 12, I really hope they take him. I don't care who else is left there. I I would love it if he's there and they took him. I know what fans are hearing when I talk about the premier positions. I know what fans are hearing is, but this is the same team that took Barrett Hayton over better players. This is so completely different. We reached by what? 10 picks projected pre-draft on Dvorsky or not on Dvorsky, on Hayden. Yeah. Whereas Dvorsky is projected to go anywhere from five to nine. He has a pretty clear ceiling and a pretty well-defined floor right now. Now, obviously things can happen, but it's, it's kind of funny when you, you look at draft rankings, um, whether it be scouts or writers or whoever comes up with them, there's there's always players who tend to find a range of like 12 spots that they move up or down. And I've seen Ryan Leonard outside the top 10. I've seen him as high as five. Um, I, you, you see the same thing with Sandin Pelica. You've seen it with Ryan Bacher, uh, Colby Barlow, all these guys. The one thing about Dvorsky is that I, I can't off the top of my head think about a mock where I've seen him outside the top 10. Uh, unanimously, it, yeah, unanimously, it almost seems like he's the one guy who's got the safest floor outside of, you know, the Bedard, Mitchkov, uh, Carlson, and Fantilli. 
he seems like the guy who's the safest pick inside the top 10 for being an NHLer with a, a solid floor, but he still has a relatively high ceiling. We're not talking about, well, he, he's going to be a 40 to 60 point guy and, and that's his floor and his ceiling. His, his ceiling is considerably higher than that, but realistically his floor is going to be a very good third line center. But in all actuality, if he pans out the way he's projected as a prospect, he should be a very good to see to compliment Logan Cooley. Yeah. And just having that center depth down the middle is so vitally important. Going forward, what you're looking at then is you're looking at Logan Cooley at 1C, Dalibert Dvorsky at 2C, Barrett Hayton at 3C, and Jack McBain at 4C. That is an incredible run of centers. Um, one thing, and I'm just going to throw out the Toronto Maple Leafs as an example. Part of what has killed them every year for the past six years is that they don't have depth, especially down the middle. They can't run three lines. In order to win in the modern NHL, you need to be able to run three lines. And so having a center trio of Cooley, Dvorsky, and Hayton accomplishes that. If you're going forward with Hayton as your long-term 2C, you might be fine, but you're going to be constantly patching that third C, constantly rotating guys in and out, and it's going to be a real struggle to roll three lines when you want to get good. When we're looking at getting good, ideally, Barrett Hayton is your third center driving that line. Dvorsky is your second center, and then Cooley is your first center. That is great. And then another thing that we've seen is wings are available every single year in the trade market. When we're looking at taking that leap, we will have draft picks still to move to get them. I mean, DeBrincat's been available. For, this is going to be the second straight year he gets traded. There's yeah, and options. And I, I want to reiterate, we're not, this isn't just, um, this isn't just like, oh, we're higher on Dvorsky than Leonard. It's not just a Dvorsky thing. If Reinbacher's the pick and he's there at six, and I think he might go a little higher than that at this point, but if he's there at six, I'm fine with that pick over Leonard as well. Um, this isn't just we're comparing two guys, um, you know, and saying uh, we like Dvorsky more than Leonard. This is Leonard doesn't make sense for us right now. So just putting that it's out just, there. If they went importance. Yep. If they went right shot D and Reinbacher, if they went center and Dvorsky, um, you know, that, that also leaves the option again, if Leonard falls, I don't mind that pick at 12, but you can still play the positional importance at 12 with, uh, Tom Willander, uh, send in Pelica, you know, if Dvorsky's your pick at six, if it's Reinbacher, Oliver Moore, Braden Yeager, those guys are there at 12. If you still want to get that center, um, with Ryan Leonard, you're essentially pushing, finding that elite 2C or potentially that number one defenseman into 2024. And 
I think if you're in Arizona's position where you really need to start putting good talent around some of the guys that you have in premier positions, you have to be looking at a right shot defenseman or you have to be looking at a center because you can't push that another year down the road. You can't hope that in all the the years that we've never had lottery luck that Macklin Celebrini is going to fall into your lap next year. So you aren't going to take a center this year. You have to go with what you need, especially when you've gotten to the point where you're saturated at one position. And right now that position is wing. And again, if this was something where I thought Leonard was heads and shoulders above Reinbacher and Dvorsky, like I think Mishkov is, I'd be I'd be pounding the table saying we should take him. But to me, not only is there not enough of a difference between Leonard, Dvorsky, and Reinbacher, I don't see that noticeable difference between Leonard and the wings we could take at twelve. Matthew maybe Wood, drop for example. one Yeah, for a great example. You maybe drop one tier, that's it. And as we've seen time and time again in the NHL, elite centers make good wings great, average wings good, and meh wings average. Yeah, I mean, look at look at Jeff Skinner's career and the path that it's been on. Mike Hoffman's another one. You look at the places they've been and who they've played with, and you can go... Huh, that was the year Jack Eichel wasn't healthy because he had 30 points in 80 games. But the year prior, he scored 47 goals or something like that because Eichel's healthy. That's what good centers do. Jeff um, Skinner coming back isn't a coincidence. It's been driven by Dage Thompson. The that they, yeah, exactly. And then, and then you look at Mike Hoffman in Ottawa. Um, you know, he had a couple of good centers there. He goes to St. Louis. He becomes the gunner on the power play. He's got Ryan O'Reilly, Braden Shen. Um, he's got good centers there. He goes to Montreal, and they can't get him out of there fast enough because he's not playing on a line with Nick Suzuki, so there's nothing going on there. If you want to get the most out of the players that you've already drafted and that you're going to draft, you have to put a guy in there that can drive it. Now, there's exceptions. We've seen it with Johnny Goudreau. As Coyotes fans, we see it with Clayton Keller, um, Mitch Marner, Kyle Connor. There's elite wingers that drive play. Taylor Hall, you know, way back when, um, for one year in New Jersey. Um, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Thank you, John Chica. But... Um, it it doesn't happen as often as it does with a center. And that really increases the risk when you're taking a wing that high that you're hoping is going to drive play. Um, he's not going to be Matthew at, Kachuk. He's not. When you're looking at Ryan Leonard, again, he's going to be a fantastic player. He's probably going to be a relatively consistent 30-goal scorer if he gets the right talent around him. But look at him in the U.S. NTDP. He played with Will Smith, who would have gone first overall last year. 
This is according to Scott Wheeler. This is according to Corey Pronman. This is according to Chris Peters. All three have stated, either on pod or in an article, that those four, these five guys all would have gone first overall last year. So you have that as your elite play driver. You also have Gabe Parol, who is an incredible playmaking wing. He was able to feast off of a lot of these chances created by those two. You know, worth Does... looking at, we've mentioned Cole Caulfield in this draft, and while Grandy's talking about what the national team uh, was able to do with an elite center, nothing against Cole Caulfield, but tell me right now, Caulfield broke the goal-scoring record, had a phenomenal year, but Jack Hughes is night and day better. I mean, who would you rather have? There's a reason why some players reach that level um, it's, when they're in juniors, when they're playing in younger leagues. And again, nothing against Caulfield, but Caulfield's got 80 points in 120 games. That's a 0.67 point per game pace, um, which over the course of the season comes out at about 55 points. He's phenomenal at scoring goals, but he's not a great defensive player. Um, and, you know, he relies on having help around him. I'm not saying that's what you're getting with Ryan Leonard, but when you're talking about how important that premium position is, it makes a big deal. It, it makes a yeah. huge difference. I do think Ryan Leonard is a better overall player than Cole Caulfield. I don't think his goal scoring is going to be as good, but that's just one skill that goes into a player. No, I and I agree um, with you, but when you take away a guy like Will Smith from him, like yeah. taking Jack Hughes away from Cole Caulfield, um, you know, they're no longer leading the league that they play in in goals. It, it, it's just not feasible. And if your argument is you want the dynamic winger, if that is your argument that, okay, look, we just want the dynamic winger. What's your argument taking away size for Leonard over Benson? Yeah, I, Benson to me is a more dynamic player. I love the grit. I Don't get me wrong. I do love the grit that you get with Ryan Leonard, but I think Zach Benson's got a ton more upside. I don't think he's Mitch Marner, um, but I, I think Zach Benson's a lot closer to the realm of Johnny Gaudreau and Clayton Keller than Ryan Leonard is. Well, even if we just use Corey Pronman's player comparable, he compared him to Jonathan Marchessault. Even if he's just that. Jonathan Marchessault is the leading goal scorer in on a Stanley Cup team right now. Yep. That's yeah, no, I agree. Phenomenal. I agree. So that was that was a big thing that Grandy and I have been talking about for the last couple of days that we did want to get out to everybody that um I there's been a lot written, there's been a lot said um about Ryan Leonard that isn't necessarily true of him physically um, that I, I don't want to call it misleading, but that because it's, it's really not, but that might um, overhype some expectations of the type of player that they're getting. Um, 
So the, our goal was to bring that up, kind of talk a little bit about the physical side of, of Leonard and um, also put into perspective where he, where he finds himself amongst other draft eligible wingers. You know, he isn't the biggest winger in the draft that it kind of makes it that a lot of people have made him sound like. And also create conversation. Let us know why you like, if, if you're one of the, if you love Ryan Leonard, let us know why. Because me and Matt don't know everything. There's, I mean, we study the draft all year. We really read into it. We watch these players play. We just and we're don't still only going to get five picks, skills. right? I mean, yeah, it, we're we do this for fun, but it doesn't mean that just because we do it for fun doesn't mean that we don't develop strong opinions based on what we see. Uh, that's what everybody yeah. does. So. Me and Matt formed a bond, formed a friendship over our willingness to debate with each other when we disagree. That essentially is what started mine and Matt's friendship. So bring that so, to the podcast. Like, don't don't feel like you can't can't voice a contrarian yeah. opinion without you know, uh, you know, somebody criticizing or whatever. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we'd love to you know have somebody on who's who's got some knowledge about uh you know maybe ryan leonard or or who they like a little more a little less it's always fun conversation and if you want we you can always join our discord record it send it in to me or tyler and we can try to find a way to get it on pod too if you don't want to do a written thing but right into me right into matt right into the pod let us know what your guys' thoughts are and um and during the live stream feel free to to send us messages right before right after the picks are made give us your thoughts we'd love to to voice them on the show and, um and and build some chat and answer your guys's questions as they come in and another thing too i want to make this very clear i'm not a ryan leonard hater if for some reason the Coyotes go him, I do believe we should have gone Dvorsky, Reinbacher, or Mishkov, depending on who's available. But I'm not going to hate him out the gate. I love Ryan Leonard as a player. I love what he brings. I think, for instance, he's going to be he would be a fantastic fit next to Logan Cooley. There's definite reasons to take him. It's not that I don't like him as a player. It's just that Based on where the Coyotes are at in the rebuild, I still think you need to find you need to go with those higher value positions. Agreed. So now that you guys have gotten our thoughts on Ryan Leonard and all of the rumors and and discussion around him lately, uh, we'll bring Tyler back in. Uh, Tyler, any thoughts on it? Uh, no, you guys killed that. I love listening to that. I had prospects are my weakest thing, as I said earlier in the podcast, but hearing you two go out is very, very good. Love hearing it. So, so just to reiterate one more time, uh, June 28th, we will be live streaming the draft. We'll be live for roughly the three hours that it'll take. Uh, we'll be talking about any trades made, picks made by every team. Uh, we'll have a couple of guests jump in from various other podcasts. Um, 
you know, and, and even just fans of other teams uh, to give their thoughts on picks made. Uh, it's going to be considerably more relaxed and laid back. Uh, nothing scripted, no, you know, no pre-planned chat. So it's going to be a great one. Uh, we'd love for everybody to join us and reach out to us if if you got questions or comments or or anything about it. We'd love to hear. Tyler, from you. real quick, real yes. quick, because um, mm-hmm. I don't remember off the top of my head. Do the podcasters get to see live comments as they're being made on the various YouTube and Twitter? For, for, uh, yes, we will see those. Uh, Twitter, I want to say probably don't know, but we'll probably have you manage that like on the feed. You can let me know. I can put it up. We can share the screen and put it up on there. Uh, slide comments. We'll scroll in. Uh, we'll have cool little nameplates, all kinds of effects things. So it's going to be a new kind of format we're experimenting with. Uh, but also, the piggyback what Matt said earlier, don't forget to check out InsideTheRink.com for all that. I already mentioned earlier, all the in-depth profiles. You also can download the app on the Google Play and Apple App Store. So a little more convenient there. Get our podcast on there. Get some merch. I think our merch is coming up soon. Grandy? Question mark? Question mark? Soon. We're still working on it. Um, okay. Uh, there's been issues with the buyers. So, but as soon as they're, as soon as our merch comes in, yes, we will have Chirp and Yotes merch. As soon as that yep. is, me and Tyler have already planned to do a giveaway. So keep your eyes yep. tuned. Definitely will. Oh, and also, like I said, download the app. You'll get the not only our merch, you'll get the podcast, you'll get the in-depth. Um, prospect profile. So, boys, is that it tonight? We uh, see these folks home. Yeah, yeah, I think we're done. Okay. Well, all of us here at the Trip and Yo. Yes. Have a good night. We'll see you next week.